The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day. And through it all, the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what sh shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and put forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a story about a young boy who was asked by his science teacher to do an experiment at home. And he was asked to plant several seeds, and he has to monitor each day the growth and as the seeds sprout. Well, there was a problem. His mother discovered that in order for him, for him to check whether the seed was actually growing, he was digging the seeds every day, <laughs> looking if there's really any change. Well, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's what the, par what the parable today explains to us as well. We don't know how the seeds would grow. It is only in the mind of the one who is the creator of it, of God himself. What, is, what was happening in the early church when Mark wrote this gospel, especially this particular parable that we heard today? What was happening in the church during that time? Biblical scholars say that the Gospel of Mark is the earliest of all the four Gospels written around 70 A.D. And what was happening during that time? The temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. 
It was also during that time when there was this fierce persecution of the Christians. It was during around the time of Emperor Nero. And Nero, as we all know in Roman history, was considered to be one of the most brutal emperors. He persecuted and killed so many Christian believers. So this was the context of the church when Mark wrote this gospel. There was this helplessness. There was this vulnerability. The church leaders were just beside themselves on what to do, and they were questioning, are we going to grow? Will the seed of faith will really sprout and bear fruit? Are we going to survive? <laughs> and Mark, by writing this gospel, wanted to give hope and consolation to the early Christian believers that externally, the seed of faith might not be growing. <laughs> but we don't know that because it is only in the mind of God. It is only, it is only in God. It is only God who knows how the seed of faith will actually grow, sprout, and bear fruit. It was a story meant to console, but also to remind the early believers that in the end, it is not so much what we do that matters. Yes, it matters. But ultimately, faith will grow regardless sometimes of our own misgivings, of our own weaknesses, because faith in its essence, in its core, is a gift. And God has a big role to play in making it grow. That's the message of Mark to the early believers. We have this saying in uh, English parlance, you know, what you see is what you get, <laughs> right? What you see is what you get. What we see is the most real. And there is something to be said about it positively. There are benefits and advantages to it. What you see is what you get gives us transparency. It's frank. You don't have to figure it out. But also, if you apply it to the ways of faith, to our faith life, it is limited. Because we all know that what is real is not just what is observable, like that kid who wanted to observe whether the seed that he actually planted is growing. A lot of the things that are happening in our lives are not observable externally, especially the things of the heart. Forgiveness, love, care, all of those things are not quantifiable. Yes, you can observe them, but you can't really, you can't just reduce them to the things that you see. Because there are a lot of things deep within our hearts that are unspoken, that are not observable. 
I'm just reflecting about this, you know, the seed of faith growing in us. Sometimes we think that it's, there, nothing is happening. Today, actually, and I, don't, I don't want this to be about myself, but I'm just reflecting about this in my own faith life and my priestly journey. Today, actually, is my 12th year anniversary of my ordination. Uh, don't clap. It's... No, please. That's why I... It's not about me, really. But thank you, though. It's my 12th year anniversary as a priest. And as I look back, you know, a lot of the things, a lot of the things that happened in my own ministry, the significant things, were not readily observable. Were not really observable. When I look back 12 years ago and where I am at now, you know, I myself is amazed because, you know, with the challenges of the priesthood and the things that are happening in the church, it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I am able to be faithful. There's a lot of things that happened in my ministry were not so obvious at the beginning. I was, you know, in my first two years, um, I was a nervous wreck all the time. I, I have stage fright. Could you imagine every single Mass? I had to muster courage to actually be in front of people. And at the at first two years, I was just like, okay, until when will I be able to do this? Will I be able to, to actually you know, of grow in my priesthood. I, before, I was so tied up with my homily right here written, and I don't depart from it. <laughs> but there was happening, there's something happening within that is way beyond my own capacity, my own, my own misgivings and all of that, and God was working within me silently, though it took years and years and years to be realized. And there were times when I questioned the presence of God in the most difficult times of my ministry. It's like, Lord, where are you? I don't feel you. But I realized God was not absent. I was not just paying attention. God has always been there, but if I was looking at the observable, what is tangible, what is seen, it's like there's nothing happening. There's no growth happening. But you know, when I talk to people too, I, I, and this is again, it's not about me, and they tell you, Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. It's like, okay, it's actually making a difference. But on my part, it is as if there's not a lot of growth. This just reminds me of that famous line from the classic book of the Little Prince, you know, that classic book of The Little Prince, 
what, what was that one? What is essential is invisible to the eye. Only the heart can truly grasp what is truly essential. At the 2.30 p.m. Mass today, I will actually be um, in the Spanish Mass. I would be renewing the vows of a couple who they shared with me their, their life experience, and I was just blown away. They, they left their country because of political persecution. Her, her husband was being persecuted politically, and, and their lives were endangered. So they came here in the U.S. 30, I, I don't know how long ago, but it's been decades. But they left their children back home. So they were separated for many, many years. And, uh, and when they came here, she also had great challenges with health. She was diagnosed terminally of having cancer. But she was able to, to, to overcome that. And this year, their son was able to be reunited with them after decades and decades. They told me, Father, I know it's not usual for a person to, to renew vows just for 35 years because you know that it's only 25 or 50, but can we do it this year because we're all finally reunited? I was just like, of course, we will do it. But she told me, she said, I, you know, if I look back, I could not even imagine that we would be together right now and that we would be together as husband and wife with everything that we have gone through. If I look back as if God was not present, as if God was absent, that nothing, the seed of marriage, the seed of faith was not working, was not sprouting. But now, I could see that God has always been faithful. It's amazing. You know, at times we think that nothing is going on because we always measure things according to our own standards. But if we let God be God... If we let God be God and have power over us, we will see the results of this. You know, just think about those times where you almost threw the towel. Where you almost threw the towel because it's like, okay, this is what the doctor said. This is what the, the marriage counselor said. This is what they said about me. They said about us. There's nothing more that we can do. And suddenly, the grace of God breaks open. Then suddenly, God tells you, I am God, and my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. You know, the parable of the seeds and the mustard seeds here is so simple, but the message is so powerful. Personally, it's powerful because it tells me, Carrie, you don't have to worry and, and you don't have to act as if you're God and that you are the one in control. 
Because a lot of the things that you want to accomplish in your life for that seed to grow is not dependent on you, but dependent on the person who created you. You worry a lot, a lot, a lot about, about your ministry. You worry about your parish. You worry about so many things. You worry about the pandemic. You worry about so many things. Are you me? You're not God. Just do your best. And my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. Think about, you know, it's amazing. Early on in this pandemic, I've been talking a lot already. You would be surprised how many families have come to me and told me, Father, we don't know what to do. My husband just lost her, uh, his job. I was just laid off. I was just, you know, I don't know what to do. We don't know where to find rent. That's at the beginning of the pandemic. And now a lot of them told me, Father, it's amazing. We were able to get through. We were able to make it. We were able to make it. Well, it's because we let God be God for us. We let God transform us. So the question that we can ask ourselves is, are you aware of the dynamic and active work of God in your life? Do you let God be God for you?